SMQBs. This is episode 56. It is March Madness. So uh, be warned, you may want to listen to this before you make your brackets, or you probably should listen to it after you've already done your picks. If our NFL picking was any indication, you may not want to follow what we do here. Anyway, March Madness, we cover that. We have to cover the Tom Brady return. MLB's back to action with opening day on April 7th. And of course, we have punchable face of the week and a really great ted lasso check it out leave us five stars thanks for listening Time Super Bowl champion, three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. This is pathetic. No one's gotten this. Lawrence Taylor. Oh, I mean, we're going to say if it's not Lawrence Taylor, Taylor. if it's not Lawrence Taylor, shame on you. Uh, well, I looked around a little bit to see if I could keep it away from Lawrence yeah, we were, Taylor a little we bit. We were but... all trying to wait for you to trick us into guessing yeah. Lawrence Taylor when it wasn't him. The only other guys that could come up with are Russian hockey players, and I really didn't want to <laughs> start that with Tobu and House tonight, so I let it go. So yeah, I was curious uh, what other options there were for 56. Yeah, the, the other good one that came up was uh, Sergei Zubov was the only other uh, yeah. real competitive one. Yeah, uh, I sent, I, we retired in Jersey this year. I sent you that video, Joe DiMaggio, were in 56 for one day oh. after he broke uh, the record. That's true. That's a good one. So he was the NFL MVP in 86, three-time defensive player of the year, 81, 82, and 86, defensive rookie of the year in 81, eight-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, 10-time Pro Bowler, NFL sacks leader in 86, all-rookie team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, really just a tragic story also. And, and we're, we're not going to go into his whole history, but I mean, I, reading about him, I mean, it doesn't really seem that he ever really got his life back on track from his his drug use. Um, so it's kind of a Rick James esque approach to life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and where did he go to school? Chapel Hill, yeah, baby. Yeah, Far that's here. right. So lots to talk about tonight. Um, but you know, before we dive into all this stuff, um, I guess we got to just get get going with March Madness, right? I mean, that's that's the big story tonight. Uh, despite the efforts of some yeah. folks who we'll talk yeah. about is later, <laughs> uh, March Madness is still the big story of the night. Uh, House, you want to you want to talk us through this a little bit? What do we got going on with March Madness? So uh, we had a really exciting run up to the big dance here. Um, it was a great tournament week filled with crazy shots from Iowa to other last minute buzzer beaters. Just phenomenal run up lots of surprises uh some bubbles bursting but here we are the bracket is ready uh our fans can't wait to find out how bad we are again at predicting things so we're gonna we're gonna give the people what they want guys and so uh you know clark kellogg seth davis those guys can go blow it because this right here this is the show everybody needs to know so we're gonna we're gonna give them this so they can have their brackets before Thursday. So you guys that are listening, here's your chance. Take out your brackets. We're going to, we're not going to give you the full thing, but you're going to get four true hoops experts that are going to give you a sleeper. And we're going to give you a final four, some winners and maybe some other fun along the way. So who, who wants to kick it off? Uh, I w I'd like to hear from you guys. I want to hear who you've got coming out of each region. I wouldn't mind hearing your regional finals if you got your bracket filled out and your sleeper and obviously your final four and your winner. So, I mean, our expert of extra experts are hoop junkie. Pope, let's have nobody steal your teams from you. Are you ready to go? I am ready to go. And you did omit one major uh, game from this weekend when Coach K was <laughs> unable to oh, cut Jesus. the nets down for the final oh, time at the ACC. Get over tournament. it. Get over it. <laughs> Carolina ACC, had a great Carolina ACC, had a great ACC tournament. Hey, look, I mean, we the, the, the ACC tournament Tech. was 
It was irrelevant this year, the ACC tournament. It wasn't interesting. It was irrelevant. So no, it was. It was quite relevant. Right Virginia, Virginia Tech went into the uh, tournament with zero chance of making it unless they won or got to the finals. And so they did, and we'll be talking about them in a minute. But, um, you know, uh, the the brackets are, I guess, predictable as far as the, the top seeds. Um, no, no real surprise there. You know, Gonzaga is the overall number one seed. Um, until somebody knocks them off. I guess most people think they're probably favorites to, to cut the nets down in New Orleans. But, but my, uh, uh, you know, my predictions this time, uh, and I'll go kind of backwards, because um, I'm looking at the first round, and there's some really good matchups. Um, of course, you know, my Tar Heels are playing Marquette, and that's going to be a tough game. I, I don't know. I, I, I still think Carolina wins that, but their, their road ends pretty quickly with Baylor, because Baylor's a much more athletic team. Uh, but I got Virginia Tech over Texas, and I think a lot of people probably do because Virginia Tech is on a, quite a roll right now, and Texas just kind of sputtered into the uh, uh, into the postseason. And then I got Michigan over Colorado State. You look at your 11-6 matches and your 10-7 matches. Those are always real interesting for your upsets. And I got Loyola over Ohio State and Miami over Southern Cal. Um, interesting matchups potentially in the second round is uh, Coach K going up against the uh, the Duke killer, Tom Izzo. Could Izzo knock K out for the final time? That would be awfully sweet for some people on this pod. Uh, St. <laughs> Mary's and UCLA looks like a real tantalizing second-round match. St. Mary's did beat Gonzaga. They are going to be tough uh, for UCLA. And then um, I got Miami getting past in the first round, even though they're a 10 seed over USC. And I do think that they can beat Auburn. I'm not impressed with where Auburn is right now. So those are kind of things to watch for my sleepers. Uh, I got Memphis in the, in the West. They uh, they're putting it all together. Penny Hardaway finally on a good run. I got UT Chattanooga. They just, the they just got spanked by Houston today. Yeah, I know, but they, that trust me that Memphis is going to be a sleeper to watch. Okay. Um, yeah, I got the UT Chattanooga moccasins. I know that that was a popular uh, pick on the CBS show, but I, uh, I'm, I'm going along with Seth Davis on that. I got Virginia Tech. I've already talked about them enough in the East, and I've got Miami. I've talked about them uh, in the Midwest. My, uh, but I'm going chalk, guys. I always go chalk. And, and my final four is I got Gonzaga in the West, Tennessee, who I am bullish on, watching Rick Barnes' boys just go right through the SEC tournament. And Ugh. and dismantle Kentucky, and I got Baylor in the East. SEC defending defending national champion Baylor is still going to be there, and I got Rock Chalk. I got I got Kansas, so I got three number ones going to the Final Four. That's never going to happen. I realize that, but those are my picks. Final. I got Tennessee against against Kansas, and I got Bill Self cutting the nets down in New Orleans for the second time. Wow, there you go. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. All right. Bold picks from the Pope. Did I get under five minutes? Yeah, it was awesome. But with with a lot of stuff for our fans to go out and uh, mess up their brackets with. Um, All right. Let's see. We're next going to go with uh, Bison. All right. Well, I um, <clears throat> I didn't think the the game was to go through every every game on the bracket, so mine's going to be a little different here. <laughs> hope, but uh, no, just a couple things to think about oh, that, I'll, that I'll go through here. First of all, um, I don't like nine teams out of the Big Ten. I mean, I, I I get it; they had a good year, but by the time you get down to six, seven, eight, nine, are those teams really appreciably better than than teams that could have had bids out of out of some of the uh, mid majors, for instance? So. I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't buy that. I think that's, um, I don't know what we're, what we're playing up there, but I just don't buy it. So keep an eye on, on the big 10 and how many of those teams actually get wins in the tournament. St. Mary's is a team that I'm going to be watching. Um, again, I think that that might be a trendy pick, but, uh, I just think, I think this could be a year where they make a little more noise than, uh, than they have in the past. Also, I like UCLA. I think UCLA, as a four seed, that was surprising to me. I thought they'd be be a three, um, but but keep an eye on UCLA. Uh, Pope, sorry to say it, I like Marquette over North Carolina Not in that game. Pick. Yeah, no, it's that's one of those that could go either way. And I think you said this one as well as uh, Loyola Chicago over Ohio State. Uh, I think that that you know, it, it, 
Probably not, but I don't know. There's something about that game that makes me think that Loyola will pull it out. Um, and then to me, the most intriguing region in the bracket, and these brackets did just come out a little while ago, but the East is the is the most interesting region uh, to me with the defending champion Baylor, with uh, St. Mary's in there, UCLA uh, and, uh, and Kentucky in there. Also, I think Murray State's kind of a fun team to keep an eye on. So I, I just thought that was the most interesting of the brackets as they came out. The final four that I have, uh, I've got Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, and then my sort of wild card team that I put in the final four is out of the Big East, and that's Providence. Whoa. And uh, and I've got uh, Gonzaga over Arizona in the final. All right. Um, Rooster? Uh, you've been a great predictor in NFL season, so let's keep it going. Uh, you, guys are, you guys are going to love these picks. UConn. Uh, uh, you, um, oh, here Richard, we go. You know, I, used to just, I used to just pick UConn all the way through. I've given up on that. But anyone game. who saw that UConn-Villanova game, that was, a, that was a great game. UConn's playing well, and uh, I do have them beating Arkansas and then getting beaten by Gonzaga. Um, in the West. So coming out of the West, I've, I've got Gonzaga as well. Um, but I have, uh, Davidson upsetting Michigan state and beating Duke. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Losing to, losing to Texas tech. Um, in the South, I also think Arizona is not as good as everyone thinks they are. Uh, and I've got Seton hall knocking them off. Um, I have, uh, I was torn between Tennessee and Villanova coming out of the South. I picked Tennessee just based on the way they played in the SEC tournament. Um, <clears throat> in the Midwest, uh, I think I was affected by Milk's comments about Kansas recently. Um, I have um, Wisconsin going all, going all the way through. And um, upsetting, I guess, Auburn to get to the Elite Eight and then beating Kansas. Um, And then in the East, I tell you, the the East has my two favorite teams to watch right now, UCLA and Virginia Tech. Um, I I mean, I can't believe Virginia Tech is the seventh seed in the ACC, (laughs) won the tournament. This they kid started two uh, and seven in the ACC. Yeah, this kid Hunter Couture averaged less than ten points a game during the season and dropped thirty-one on Duke. Just amazing. Um, so it's the first time they've ever won the ACC tournament. They've been in it since two thousand and four. And my other favorite team to watch this year is UCLA. Um, they have their entire team back from when they went on a deep run last year, and these guys are again. You know, they don't. They they don't kill it during the season, but they seem to hit their peak right at the right moment. And they're there again. I think UCLA uh, comes out of the East and I've got um, Gonzaga beating UCLA. (laughs) Excuse me. That's a rematch from last year. Tennessee beating Wisconsin and Gonzaga beating Tennessee in the finals. Okay. Good stuff. You guys, you know, the thing, the thing, yeah, we got you. So the thing, you know, you know, everybody's talking about Virginia Tech, and I, and just uh, while House gets settled there uh, for his picks, um, I, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but we saw this this last year, right? I mean, Georgetown went on the run to win the Big East; they had no chance of getting into the tournament last year, and then they went on, won the Big East tournament, and went and laid a total egg in the first game uh, in the in the Big Dance. So uh, I don't know. I think Virginia Tech might be a little too trendy right now off of that run. I think the hype and the energy from running through the ACC, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't, I, I don't see them going very far though. Texas, you can't count on Texas to do anything in any sport. They always screw right. it up. So maybe, maybe they get a win. House, I think I, you're up though. Yeah. So I got to tell you, uh, I know year after year, I feel like the big 10 is the big letdown in the NCAA tournament. I hate to say it, but this year, I think the big letdown is going to be the Big East. 
I heard you guys with some of those wins from from Seton Hall to Providence. I, I have a lot of Big East teams that don't even get out of the first round and very few into the Sweet 16. I know a lot of them made the tournament, but I think we're going to see the Big East overmatch this year in this year's tournament. That's kind of my big story. The other big story is that the South and the West are really, really easy paths, I feel like, for Gonzaga and Arizona. Yeah. Uh, but the East and the Midwest is where parity reigns. And I think it's going to be really hard to get a clean bracket coming out of the Eastern Midwest. There's going to be a lot of surprises there. I would say that my sleeper overall, who I do have going to the Elite Eight, is uh, Colorado State. If you guys have not seen this guy, uh, David Roddy, play, he, he's a linebacker on the basketball court, and he's a monster. The guy's like 6'6", 255, and he's a freight train and I, I think they handle Michigan with ease because I think Michigan has been up and down. I think they're like three and three in their last few games. And I, I think I think Colorado State uh, beats Michigan. I think they shock Tennessee and they give Villanova all kinds of fits. So that's my sleeper. Um, overall, I think that we're going to see um, Arizona and Colorado State uh, head to head in the south. Arizona is going to come out of that. I think Texas Tech is going to knock off Duke. They're going to run the end of Coach K, and it's going to be Gonzaga versus Texas Tech, and Gonzaga is going to come out of the West. So I've got Gonzaga in the West, Arizona in the South, chalk, chalk. But then down in the East, in the Midwest, um, I think it's going to – I'm very, very uncomfortable uh, taking Kansas. Um, I think – I hope that we see a Wisconsin Auburn game because I think that would be an incredible game. But uh, I have chalk coming out of that. I just I'm uneasy about it with Kansas versus Auburn and Kansas winning a tight game. But then in the East, it's going to be crazy. I think you're going to see a lot of upsets in the East. Um, And I think uh, ultimately UCLA is going to knock off Baylor. Purdue is going to not have to knock off Kentucky because Murray State's going to do that job for them. That's going to be the big shocker. And it's going to be a great matchup of UCLA-Purdue. And this year's surprise in the Final Four will be a very big, very physical team that bullies their way into the Final Four, the Purdue Boilermakers. And so I've got um, Purdue uh, versus Gonzaga and Gonzaga will win that, and Arizona versus Kansas. I think we're going to have an unbelievable final matchup, Gonzaga versus Arizona, and Arizona will cut down the nets. That's been my pick for a while, and I think they're going to they're stay with it. So that's 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 March Madness. Interesting. Uh, not a lot of respect for Baylor yeah. coming, out of, coming out of the SMQBs, huh? You know, they are an athletic team. I agree with Pope on that, but it's a totally different team from last year, and I think – uh, you know, that, that, that backcourt that they lost, uh, and the defense that they lost, I think it's just going to be a different, they, I don't think they're going to have the same chemistry that propelled them into the final four last year. And I think they're going to get knocked off by a very, very good UCLA team. I agree. I don't remember which one of you said that maybe it was Bison who said the four seemed a little low. I agree with you. UCLA is a good team. I'll tell you one of the, one interesting thing on here, uh, it's a little, little footnote, um, but the Washington DC area, when you, when you expand the basketball region that DC has, when you talk about Georgetown, American university, Maryland, Virginia, George Mason, uh, I'm probably forgetting somebody else who plays in the region first time since 1978, that the region doesn't have a team dancing. Mm, so, crazy. uh, that's pretty crazy. Pretty surprising. Uh, GW, I guess, is is another team in there that's right. for a little while was decent. Uh, so kind of that's kind of a weird little is it, loop this did, year. Did American lose their uh, tournament? I think so. Game? Yeah, because yeah, because they, they they'd be here. They're not in. So first time since 1978. I don't know who somebody tweeted that out. So all right, any other uh, comments? Yeah, on, yeah. On hang the on, first hang on a second. I because I was on the plane when I was trying to transpose these brackets, and I obviously Uh-oh. looked at it. Upside down. So I, I actually had. It's got all new picks. No, I had, yeah. I, had I had Tennessee <laughs> and Kansas in the finals, and they're going to be in the they're going to be in the semis. So, <laughs> so I've got Tennessee against Kansas in the semis, and Zags against Baylor rematch of the national championship game, and I got Kansas cutting the nets down over Baylor. 
Okay. Mm, All right. All right. Okay. So, well, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, it's the best time of the year. So, and it, and it starts Tuesday night, I guess, if you count those first, first four, four, whatever the hell that is. I still think that's stupid. So, um, anything else on hoops? The fans nope, are going to get a gonna live looking, live looking at the SMQBs on the watching March Madness together again this year. Can't wait. It'll be fun. <laughs> Cousin Justin told me that he's uh, he's going to do one bracket before he listens to us. And then one after we've totally ruined him and, and he's going to see which one does better after he listens or before he listens. Well, then you should do a third, which is the opposite the, of what we picked. There, there will be no shotgunning. Yeah, yeah. There will be no shotgunning beers this year. Uh, you say <laughs> yeah. I'll take, I'll oh, take the yeah. over. I'll yeah. take you over. <laughs> over too. All right. So listen, let's move to the NFL. Uh, as we were getting ready for the biggest sporting of extravaganza of the year with March Madness, um, once again, Tom Brady reared his head. And House, I just have to ask you a question. Worst case scenario for you, is it Carson Wentz leading Washington to the Super Bowl or Tom Brady going back for number eight? Oh, Brady, that asshole. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, this guy's such a douchebag. Rooster, you better not be licking his boots right now. Ah, my, the picture behind me is Tommy. Pointing right at you, House, saying he's pointing right you. at House. I punked you. I was retired for five weeks, and you bought it, and now I'm back. Brady is back, and our man Milk can't be here tonight because he is sobbing in tears of joy. He can't even stop crying and speak on our podcast, so he's out for tonight. Giselle must after, be so boring after hearing the news. The only God. thing that makes Milk happier about Tommy coming back is how pissed off house is about it. Oh my God. Why so much, why so much anger towards Tommy? Listen, uh, do you remember, do you remember this whole segment we did last week where Pope was like just crapping all over coach K and, you know, we made no mention of the t-shirt sold that TB 12 had and the money went to his grifter account and all this. And he's, <laughs> He is, you know, this guy that like had to take out a PPP loan because Brady's going broke. I mean, what an asshole. Just be done with it. I, I Listen, I hope AB comes back. I hope, that, hope they put that whole team together, and I hope they go 8-9. So why, why, why do we think he's coming back? What's, what's, what's this all about? The guy retires, his wife wants him out, and he can't even stay out for five weeks. He's like he's Jordan. Back. He's like Jordan. He just can't walk away. He's too competitive. You, you know, guys, I, so I think Glazier, very smart, the owner of the Bucks, invited him over, say, come over the pond and come see a Man U game. We've got a great foot, football match against Tottenham. Come over and watch a match, which was very, very smart. And aging Cristiano Ronaldo put on a show, set records for the all-time score in EPL, and I actually think that moved Brady. I he really a, do. He had, a, he had a fucking hat trick but, to beat the Spurs. And Brady's like, if Ronaldo can do that, then why can't I? I really do. Don't you think it seemed like the Bucks knew he was coming back all along? I mean, they did, they made no effort to move on from Blaine Gabbard. <laughs> as if they were going to start the year with Blaine Gabbard. As they were just giving him his space. I think it's true. Listen, I keep saying this guy, their GM, Ryan Licht, is really, really a genius. He's really great. And I think that's what it was. Let's pick up nobody. Brady will see, like, Blaine Gabbert's coming in and that we haven't decided to move on from him. And it'll tug at his heartstrings if he has any in that black heart. <laughs> well, in, what, do you in, think, what do you think? Do you think that any of the other quarterback signings and the trades this week had anything to do with it? Do you think he looked at – some of these guys getting moved around and was like, geez, there, I mean, there's really no reason I can't win another Super Bowl. Maybe he was afraid they, the Bucks would take Deshaun Watson and win a Super, Super Bowl without him. Mm. Interesting. Hmm. Speaking think, of just go ahead. I was going to ask if, if you, to Bison's point, whether Rogers move might've prompted anything at all that Rogers is coming back for another dance with green Bay. Maybe that, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, 
Sh- a Speak- shout out to our buddy t- Andy Darcy too on on our uh, IBFFL fantasy string about the guy, the idiot who bought the five hundred thousand dollar auction football for Brady's <laughs> last pass. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll take that case on a contingency fee right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. represent him. So but, yeah, I don't know. So let's talk to Deshaun Watson. He, you know, the prosecutor took his case. Um, to to the um, to the to the uh, what's the name of grand it? Grand jury, the grand jury, and they returned nothing on nine counts. So now they've dropped all criminal charges, and that, and the only thing standing in his way is the NFL and this Busby guy who's got all these civil cases against them that don't seem to be going anywhere either. So teams are now licking their chops. Apparently the Saints and the Panthers have made trade offers to Texas. Um, I, you know, until a couple hours ago, I had the Bucks on, on my list of teams that should be interested in them. The Steelers, the Seahawks, maybe the 49ers, maybe the Titans. What do you guys think? Where, where do you predict he lands? He has a no trade clause. So he has some say in it. He gets to interview with these teams who are interested in. Him. Give us the list well, again. Give us the, give us the list again. Uh, well, the two teams that have made a trade offer already are the Saints and the Panthers. The Steelers absolutely need a quarterback. Uh, the Seahawks need a quarterback. They have nothing. Uh, the Colts. I forgot the Colts need a quarterback. And then the 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 Niners don't necessarily need one, but you know, there's a lot of rumors out there that Brady was coming back to the Niners. And then the Titans have a Super Bowl quality team without, without Super Bowl quality quarterbacks. So maybe they think about it. That's just me speculating. I thought it's funny. I, I mean, Brady is going to upset the entire balance of the NFL, including maybe where Deshaun Watson. If I'm Deshaun Watson and I have a no trade clause, do I want to go to New Orleans or Carolina and play Brady twice, at least for next year? I mean, maybe beyond that, he sees the NFC South really opens up. So maybe that's interesting. But if I have my choice, uh, I, I kind of feel like, yes, uh, of yes, you know, of course we've got Joe Burrow, but I feel like the Steelers would be an appealing option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Would Tomlin taken? Colts. The Colts are a solid team too. You know, this is a really complicated situation because there are there are how many women? Close to thirty women, if not more, who have levied this very serious allegations against him. And of course, the fact that the grand jury didn't indict him. Um, you know, we, we live in a, in a criminal justice system where you're innocent until proven guilty. Okay. And that's important. Um, but it doesn't mean that these civil cases can't go forward. It doesn't mean that there won't be a lot of dirty, dirty laundry aired if, if, if it's out there. And then again, a lot of this, you know, we have not, we, the public have not been privy to a lot of the evidence that's been accumulated at this point. And there may be some that comes out. It seems to me that it would be wise for him to pick a smaller market team, a place like Indy, Pittsburgh maybe is a good example because the, the team seems to be such, uh, the organization seems to be such a class A organization. But it seems to me that he would be, um, it'd be smart for him to go to a place where he can put his head down and play football and resurrect his career. Uh, you know, he has professed his innocence all along. He was he kind of called for the grand jury investigation because he, he believed he'd be proven innocent. Uh, and and maybe he is fully innocent of all, all this, certainly in the eyes of the criminal system. He is at this point. Uh, so I think, you know, if he were to go to a place like New York, that seems like a bad, bad decision for him at this point. Mm-hmm. Go someplace under the radar and be the best football player you can be. I'll just say this. If you follow the Twitter stuff to your point, Bison. I mean, it, it, there are very, very serious allegations that notwithstanding not being able to chin the bar on the criminal issues, the civil cases haven't gone away and whether the civil cases go away or what he will not 
lose the identity of he admitted in the course of the, the criminal proceedings, he admitted that there was some sexual activity at a massage parlor, but it was consensual. Um, and so no matter what, he's going to be carrying that with him. And I think in any city he goes to, the ownership is going to have to think long and hard about what that hap- what happens with that fan base and the protesting and, and all that stuff. I'll, I'll tell you, it, it seems like yesterday when we, when the Eagles took Michael Vick, that was a noisy atmosphere for a long time. It doesn't go away. Wouldn't it be ironic though, if the owners took that position after essentially covering up the whole Robert Kraft situation, which is was exactly the same set of facts. Maybe he only got caught once, but he got caught on video. Great point. Well, and while and while the Congress is investigating yeah. the uh, the the workplace in Washington. Great point. Well, I mean, it it you know we're lawyers. It seems to me like Busby has leverage right now. And it, there would be an incentive for Watson to pay whatever he needs to pay to make this go away and get the cloud over him so he can move on. And, and I, I don't know. The way I'm reading the tea leaves is just the opposite. Busby, after the grand jury refused to indict, came out and started blaming the women. He seems like he's trying to get out from under these cases already with that kind of a comment. Well, then it sounds like there it could be room for compromise at this point. Yeah. It's an ugly, it just needs to go away. All right. Well, uh, let's, I'm going to take these in descending order based on reverse chronology here. Um, the, the, the other recent move was by the Chargers picking up Khalil Mack to be Oof. the bookend to Joey Bosa. Oh my Oof. God. And now, now they're, uh, they, they're interested in JC Jackson cornerback from the Pats who the Pats didn't uh, lock up. If if they pick up some offensive linemen to shore up that line, look out for the chargers. Holy smokes. You guys think you you think Max still has anything in the tank? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Especially where he doesn't have to be the playmaker on that, on that defense. Right. He doesn't have to be the guy. Right. You could, you could have quite a year. Yeah, I think the Chargers are going to be an exciting team. They already are, but they just needed they just needed to be able to have a better offensive line and be able to stop stop the opponents a little a little bit more in late in games. Um, other big news: Aaron Rodgers, who swore he wasn't in it for the money. Signed a four-year deal with guaranteed payments of $153 million, averaging about 50 mil a year. Is he worth it? Is it worth it to the for the Packers to sign him to that deal? Let's not forget he put up 10 points against the Niners in a home field loss in the one and out in the playoffs this year, this past season. It's got to be worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole league's about quarterbacks and he's, you know, he's, he's, he was the best quarterback in the NFL last year. Best I regular mean, season quarterback in the NFL. Well, for sure. that's, that's true. But you know, the playoffs are playoffs. I mean, you're right. You're right about that. But uh, you got to be in the playoffs to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. So he's like the James Harden of football. <laughs> that's very funny. I haven't studied the money Brewster, but is, is it going to be a big cap hit in the third and fourth year? I don't know that. I mean, how could it know. not be? Yeah, with 153 guaranteed. I mean, they got to yeah, spread what, it out. What do they care? I mean, their their window to win is now, right? I mean, they're they're they take massive cap hits and they'll suck when he finally does uh, retire. Clearly, that'll be back. an albatross. One, yeah, that's right. Third and fourth year. I, you know, I, I if I remember right, um, didn't weren't they still missing the stud left tackle in the playoffs? that protected him. Yeah, he was hurt. Yeah, he was and hurt. so like I think if he gets that full team back and Devontae's back and Aaron Jones is healthy and they've got some great linebackers and got gets the left tackle, you know, I, I still think it makes sense for them because the alternative was Jordan Love. I I don't think so. No, I don't either. It's a no brainer. 
No, that's right. That's right. I, I think that's Milk made this point earlier this year that, you know, it's all about winning Super Bowls and you have to have the quarterback to do it. You can't win Super Bowls anymore with a mediocre game manager quarterback. Those days are gone. Um, so, which brings to mind the Broncos situation. Um, the Broncos gave up a fair amount to get Russell and, um, the, you know, they had to do it for the same reasons we've been talking about. They had to do it, but who thinks Russell is the guy to bring him to the Super Bowl? Any, anyone think he's still got that in him? Bring him to the Super Bowl. They might be fourth in their own division out of four teams. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean, get they, it. I don't get this one. I, I don't get it either. I mean, they got they got to deal with the Chargers and the Chiefs and a Raiders team that was pretty damn competitive and made their way to the playoffs last year. So, like, I, I, I don't get now, that. Now maybe that's maybe that's the the point is that you know the, to have any chance at all, any hope at all, they had to go out and and make a play for some quarterback. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I just don't. I mean, Russell Wilson's been a, a wonderfully exciting successful quarterback to watch um but this is i mean he's on the he's on the back nine right i mean this is i don't get it they gave up a lot a lot to get him and i think they've drastically overestimated how good the rest of their team is you know i heard a lot of people talking about how much better denver was as a team than seattle really were they i mean around around the quarterback i mean is that it was that, I, I just don't see it. I don't get it. Yeah. I think that Russell suffers from a similar issue to your, your new man, Bison, Commander Carson. And, and when they were hot, they were athletic running quarterbacks who thrived in chaos. And neither one of them run anymore. And without that aspect of their game, they're just not, you know, much more than above average. And that's been happening to Russell for the last couple of years. He doesn't run anymore. So, I, listen, let's let's get something out of the way right now. <laughs> this is a dreadfully painful situation for, I think, me and House. Dreadfully painful. Um, uh, I'm not not for you, House. Watching you root for him is so delightful. <laughs> Except for every thing. every win he has, it's got to hurt you. Because especially twice a year against Philadelphia, I mean, we'll see how you feel about it then when when Washington wins the division with Carson next year. That's but Whoa. but let me say this: I mean, you know, Washington has a lot of good offensive players, and as much as I was rooting for Taylor Heineke and thought that he was he was fun and I wanted him to win, uh, the one thing that that I was pretty consistent on is that he didn't have the arm strength to be an NFL uh, starting quarterback. And that, you know, there's a lot of stuff, you know, floating around now, Twitter and whatever, showing the underthrown balls, the passes that were broken up because the ball just didn't get there. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, because I think Carson, you're right. I mean, he's got to understand that he doesn't, he's not the athlete he once was. And if he's not willing to grasp that, uh, then he's going to struggle. But if he does grasp that, he has the tools to be a very effective pocket, you know, passer. And, and, you know, he, uh, in total QBR, he was ahead of Russell last year. He was number nine in total QBR last season. Uh, Let me throw out a little point counterpoint uh, material for you. Last year, he had 27 touchdowns to only seven interceptions, which is pretty damn good. Good But there's also, there there is also a reason that he got, tra- he's been traded twice in 13 months, twice oh, yeah. in 13 months, his own, his own, you know, savior, Reich just washed his hands of him, said, he's not, he's not a leader. He's, he's too reckless with the ball. Um, I mean, you know, they were, they were bound for the playoffs and then he comes back from COVID and blows the game against the Raiders and the Jags. They would they would almost have been better off not starting him, and they may well, have made the playoffs. I don't like the trade. I don't like the trade. But but one of the things that made me sleep a little better about it was that 
after this season, there's no cap hit on them if they were to release them. Now, that's not why you make a trade like that is to release a guy in one season. But if you have to, there's no cap hit. It's the opposite of the Rodgers situation we were just talking about with a huge hit Predi- down the road. Pre- predictions from the SMQBs. Does Carson Wentz have a, a good year or does he keep up his six and a half month average and get traded by the Redskins? <laughs> He'll be on the roster at the end of the year, but it'll be a meh year. Listen, you guys know I'm an expert of almost nothing. Notwithstanding the fact that, that I'm on the SMQBs. 100% agreement. <laughs> Amazing. I am an expert on Carson Wentz. And I will just say this. The play where he went head first against the Rams toward the end of the championship season changed his career forever. There were some that would say over and over again, the expression was on Philadelphia sports radio when he was still our quarterback, let the Bronco buck, like let him out of the pocket and let him go. That's what he wants to do. That's the last thing. If Rivera is a good coach, he will be the first one to get through that thick head of Carson's that you are now a different quarterback. You cannot leave the pocket. We will protect you, but you cannot leave the pocket and you can succeed there. If he's willing to make that transformation in his mind, you've got yourself a damn good quarterback that proved last year he can make some elite throws. But outside the pocket, forget about it. I do think he's going to have a good year. I do think he's going to be frustrating for you. But here's the thing about Carson. You just got Ned Flanders at quarterback. It's, hey, diddly, diddly, let's go to church together. I, 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 I'm just, he, do, he does not connect with an NFL locker room. He just doesn't. Maybe he needs, some tats. he needs some tats and he needs to listen to a little bit different music. And I, he just, he's, he's a goody two shoes and he needs to get a little edge to him. But I do think he's going to have a good season. I do. I, I think. I think. Uh, I think the Washington Commanders, or whatever they're called now, um, I think they got significantly better with him. I really do. I think you're. You could be right, and 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 if he if he could get it through his head that he cannot make Mahomes type plays. Like remember that play last year where he tried to throw the ball left handed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he can't do that stuff oh. anymore. He just can't do it. And if he could just get it out of his head and stay in the pocket, then it is an upgrade. Can we can we ask uh, while you're finishing your NFL stuff? Can we ask Pope about whether he misses Amari Cooper? Huh. That but was uh, didn't he have the best year of all your receivers last year? No, CD Lamb had a better year because you know look, you know Cooper was out when it really mattered uh, because of COVID because he refused to get vaccinated. I, I kind of lost my love affair with him through Bama and Car- and uh, the Cowboys when he wasn't a team player for that. It did it really kind of hurt him at a critical time. But, you know, I was analyzing the trade uh, just for everybody's sake. They're, they're trading him to, to Cleveland for, and they're sending a sixth rounder in return for a fifth rounder and a sixth rounder this year. Um, and they're clearing about 20 million on the cap, which is what was, you know, the main reason they had to get rid of him and they're re-signing Michael Gallup. I don't know if y'all saw that uh, at 62.5 for five years, which actually might end up being a pretty good bargain because Gallup's uh, injury Um, and Cedric Wilson, who came on pretty strong at the end of the year, probably be their third. Albert Wilson. Pardon? Albert Wilson. No, but he'll, he'll probably be their third uh, receiver. So anyway, um, I, I'm going to miss Coop. He he was a solid. He's top 10 the last four years. Uh, Cowboys gave up a first-round draft pick for him. He's top 10 the last four years in receiving uh, touchdowns. Um, but I'm not sure that they missed that much of a beat uh, because CeeDee Lamb has really come in to his own as a premier receiver. I mean, I would love to keep Coop, obviously, but but we need some other help. And, you know, this maybe this allows us to keep DeMarcus well, if Gallup is is healthy, you're right. I mean, Gallup yeah. is is really good. I like him. By all accounts, Gallup had a you know he he's going to be okay. Not is it true? Time. Is it true about what he said to to Dak in the <laughs> locker room? What's that? 
that he called Dak the Black Kirk Cousins in the locker room after a after the playoff loss. Funny, I hadn't actually heard that. Yeah, yeah. That, that to, which, to which the Washington uh, Twitter account trolled him and said, "Why did they have to bring race into it? He's just Kirk Cousins." <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, you know, Amari was not a cancer in the locker room. I mean, if that's if that's the question, I mean, he was. But he was just kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of did his own thing. So, um, again, you know, good luck for him with Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's going to get the same kind of quality throws that he did with Dak, though. All right. Anything more on the NFL? Can't We can't get away from it. Just when you think you're out, it sucks you back in. The NFL, that's, uh, that's how they roll, huh? Tommy Brady. All right. Well, listen. Let's talk a little, uh, little baseball. Just an update on the on the uh, lockout. And in the words of Commander Carson, praise the Lord. The <laughs> lockout is over. <laughs> this was a ninety nine day work stoppage. It was the second longest in MLB history. Um, so here are let's see some of the terms uh, of the of the agreement. So we've got twelve teams in the postseason this year. Uh, three division champs and three wild cards. Um, I guess starting next year in the 2023 season, um, you're going to have every club will play every other club, at least for one series. So you, you're going to see every team once. Hmm. Uh, this year we have the uh, universal DH. We'll start. Boo. We'll, we'll uh, yeah, boo. That's terrible. Um what else? What were some of the big ones? Okay, so the minimum salary will increase to seven hundred thousand dollars. That was a big uh, sticking point with annual increases of twenty thousand each. Um, minor league minimum salaries go up. There's a fifty million dollar pre-arbitration bonus pool. We talked about that in some previous episodes here. What that uh, bonus pool is for, and they started out with an eighty-five million dollars. What the players were asking for, they settled on fifty million. Um, the competitive balance tax, this is what is, you know, artificially a salary cap. Uh, it will go up to 230 million this year, 233 the next season, 237, 241, and then 244 million in 2026. Um, and then there's there's taxes on that as far as if you go over the first time, it's a 20, 20% tax. If you go over two years in a row, it's a 30% tax and a 50% tax the third third time after that. Um, I think that's really all. I mean, there's some other stuff in here about international picks and, and the draft compensation. What about I, I the think shift? The shift. Yeah, what ha- so, so with regard to the shift, um, there is a competition committee, which includes an active pitcher, an active position player, an ump, and an unspecified number of reps who come from the commissioner's office. And they'll be responsible for implementing rule changes beginning with the 23 season. So I don't think there's there's anything with regard to the shift for this year. I don't think the bases are getting any bigger this year. Um, but I think both of those things w- will remain as possibilities. One of the things that they were talking about was that the owners wanted uh, to be able to change the rules with like 45-day notice. Uh, on some of this stuff, but I don't think, and, and somebody tell me if I'm wrong on this. I don't think though, that there's, um, that any of those things are, are happening this year. Bison, three questions for you. Did they get rid of the stupid second base automatic runner and in extra innings? Did they get rid of the stupid seven inning double header? And my last question is, did anybody win here in this lockout? So the answer is is yes to both of those first two questions. There's no more ghost runner on second base and extra innings. Uh, they're not going to play any seven inning double headers, though there will be um, a a number of double headers played this year uh, more than than usual in a regular 162 game season because they are going to have a 162 game season with opening day on April 7th, and to do that, they're going to have to have some double headers during the season. Um, did anybody win? You know, I don't know really that that the players won. Or I, I think the players got a lot of what they wanted, but I'm not sure that they started from a very strong position. I'll tell you who 
who may have won. And it was really interesting because right away you saw the uh, San Francisco Giants sign Carlos Rodon to a to a two year, $40 million contract. And a lot of the instant reaction from that was because of the salary cap or the, the competitive balance tax going up, that this is going to let the rich teams get richer as usual mm. with players because they can mm. go out and sign. And some of the smaller market teams are not going to be able to compete uh, as usual as we see. So, you know, we could do a whole episode on the economics of baseball and and why it, it you know, it's troublesome and, and why there's so many work stoppages. And uh, but listen, the good news is, like I said, we have a full 162 game season. Opening day is April 7th. And this uh, collective bargaining agreement ends on December 1st of 2026, when I'm sure we can all look forward to the next work stoppage in baseball. This lockout was three times longer than Tom Brady's retirement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's it. Baseball's back and I'm um, looking forward to, uh, to opening day. So do you, does anybody think that they really – took any hits as far as fans coming back or is it just going to be uh, as usual still, you know, struggling, but not hurt anymore by the lockout? I don't know. I mean, people have such a short attention span. Like when opening day starts on April 7th, you know, are people going to, going to forget, you know, are they going to remember this and, and not go to games during the summer? I don't know. I guess some might, but I don't, I, it could, listen, I thought at some point, I thought we weren't going to have baseball until July 4th. Right. And I think that would have been a totally different story. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So. Well, the good news is, is the uh, SMQBs ought to be able to make a cameo appearance at Wrigley Field first couple weekends. Let's do it. Yeah, that's great. All right, House, uh, you want to talk to us about some fan behavior issues? I, I just, I, I need to get your guys opinion on this because there's been some stuff in the news in the last couple weeks in sports it comes up all the time we haven't really talked about it that much on here i'm curious your take on this the fans in la after just abysmal play by the lakers uh of late and a blowout home loss to the pelicans they turned their ire to lebron james and started booing lebron uh at first he got all pissed off and even got in a fan's face and said, you don't know what you're talking about. And they asked him in the press conference if he was bothered by it. He's like, listen, they can boo all they want, but I'm not going to be told by some whatever Joe Schmo how to play basketball. So it definitely got under his skin. Russell Westbrook won't even bring his kids to the games because the fans are so nasty about Russell Westbrook and him being just a, a big zero. Actually, I guess that's his number, but just, just being a bad play, player on, on that team. But this past weekend, we, we talked about the situation last year with Naomi Osaka and her mental health problems. Now she had to pull out of one of the majors, but she played in a tournament this weekend at Indian Wells. And some heckler in the stand said, hey, Naomi, you suck. That's what he said. Or she said, actually, it was a female heckler. And apparently in a, in a service change, she broke down in tears. She asked the umpire if she could please address the crowd. The umpire said, can't do it. Um, And then finally, at the end of the match, I think the umpire permitted her to address the crowd. But here's my question to you guys. If you pay the price for a ticket to attend an event and you're not throwing things on the court, you're not cursing, you're not saying something really profane, are you free to say whatever you want to the players? Okay, it might make you a jerk, but are fans allowed to heckle, belittle, say you suck, boo great players? What's your take on the fans' right in the stands? Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, these fans are assholes for sure. They have the right to boo. Everybody has the right to boo. Um, you know, they shouldn't, if they're, if they're seated by a family, they shouldn't be, you know, screaming profanities, but you suck is not, I mean, I'm sorry, but an athlete needs to toughen up a little bit and be able to handle you suck. Well, was it like, well, she's got the ball in the air. I mean, did it interrupt her? Uh, well, that's, a, that's to, a fair point. 
ability. I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, you can't I, I do that while either. while a guy's uh, a player is teeing off in golf, right? Obviously, you have to say mashed potatoes after they tee off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you, you talk about the a right. I mean, I, I don't think you can interfere with another paying customers' enjoyment of the game. You go to some NFL games and the and i'm gonna i'm gonna sound like a like a you know an old man here for a minute but you go to some of these people are hammered hammered there's fist fights breaking out the swearing and there's little kids there um and you know certainly uh the sunday morning quarterbacks are not known for for uh for you know we drop an f-bomb here and there uh usually in the first five minutes of the episode but you know when there's little kids around and stuff like that i don't know i mean so have the right to boo but but this is entertainment and the and part of what people pay very very high dollars amount for to go to some of these games particularly right. in the nba um if you can get anywhere close to where a player is going to hear you you're spending a lot of money on that ticket um yeah i think to some to some degree you do have a right to yell at them i mean that's part of the entertainment that's part of the fun is going is going at some of these other players so um, you know, if you're not interfering with the game, you're not interfering with the person next to you who's also paid for a ticket. I think the players have to be able to take a little shit from now and then. Deal with it. You're making tons of money on these people. Right. That's that's where I fall. I, I agree with that, but I'm saddened by the there, there's less class in this country than ever before. And the dumbest people seem to think they're the most interesting these days and they cannot shut the hell up. Yeah, it's, it's just tedious. It really is. It's tedious. just it's it's really extending into the stands and basketball, whether it's college or high school. You know, there's all these jeers and taunts about you'll work for us and all this other stuff. You know, just all this. Ver- some some it gets really close to being personal. And there, you know, kids that are in, in high school and college aren't really paid. I think it. I think it's a little different once it gets to the professional level. I think the professional level, you're making so much money, you know, thicken your skin and deal with it. But you're right, Rooster. It, we're getting more and more boorish. We're getting dumber and dumber as, in our behavior. And I, I just think we're going to hear more and more of these stories. And I think also eventually you're going to start to see increased um, altercations. Like yeah. Well, and officials getting involved to throw out more and more folks from games. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, the, uh, anyway, there'll be plenty to talk about here in the future. I'm sure the Ron, the Ron Artest situation um, is not as big a deal today. I mean, if that happened today, there it wouldn't be as much of a surprise. True. Fans are, I mean, players are going into the stands fairly often these days in hockey and basketball. You know why? Because somebody in the stands has a punchable face. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. Yeah, segue. Segue. How else? Give us a punchable face of the week. Listen, last year in the NCAAs, we all punched the NCAA in the face when they wouldn't allow the women's tournament to use March Madness and they gave them poor weight facilities and all that stuff. Well, the NCAA can't, they just can't get out of their own way. They're going to get another punch even before the dance begins. Oh boy. Oh boy. I don't know if you guys paid attention to this. This is so stupid. There's a little small school in Louisville, Kentucky named Bellarmine. They won the Atlantic uh, Sun Conference. They were a very successful Division II school. And they made the jump uh, this year to Division I, and they won their Atlantic Sun tournament. And the deal is, because of a dumb NCAA rule, that – you have a four-year transition pause because they want to, they want these schools to take it seriously. They don't want to encourage schools to bounce back and forth. I don't know who would do that to bounce back and forth between Division One and Two. But the rule is that you cannot enter the NCAA tournament for four years after you jump to Division One. 
but the school was led to believe that they would at least be able to compete for the NIT. Well, the NCAA also now owns the NIT tournament. And so the NCAA is not even allowing this school to compete in the NIT. Like anyone gives a crap about the NIT. Does anyone watch that anymore? And and what's what's interesting is that I did not know this, but the NCAA does not own the women's NIT. And last year there was a school, Cal Baptist, that jumped from Division II to Division I, and they made the women's NIT. I just think the NCAA is so stupid. The form over substance stuff is just so dumb. Let these kids play. Let them at least play in the goddamn NIT. And for that, they're getting my punch of the week. Amen, Jackasses. Jackasses. Money, 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 money. That's what that's all about right there. We do have the NIT top brackets have just been released, in case y'all care. No. The NIT. <laughs> I think I think we're going to let SMU's Paul- a number one seed. We're going to let uh, Paul Miller co- cover that tomorrow. Yeah, the NIT, <laughs> but not in tournament tournament, right? That's right. Not in tournament um, tournament. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's, House, let's stick with you. Uh, you got a Ted Lasso for us? We have a true, true Ted Lasso. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> A true Ted Lasso this week because we have a real life version of Sam Obasanya, one of our favorite characters from Ted Lasso. We all know Sam, the great player from Nigeria, who was, you know, really having a hard time deciding what to do. Well, I won't do any spoilers, but it's a great story. And he has a lot of allegiance to his family back home in Nigeria. Well, in 2011, uh, there was this 19-year-old kid from Congo who joined the Charlotte Bobcats. His name was Bismack Biombo. And Bismack Biombo was on a Charlotte Hornets team that went 7-59. and 59. And instead of working on his game, he went back to Congo, bought up 25 pairs of sneaks for kids in villages, started a camp, and got these kids playing basketball and feeling good about life. The following year, he got 100 pairs of sneaks and now gear from Nike. He started the Bismack Biombo Foundation in 2012. It gives out 185 scholarships a year. He's built two schools. He has 1,000 kids yearly going to basketball and soccer clinics. And he also set his sights on getting Congolese access to affordable health care. He treats, uh, through this foundation, 1,000 clinic patients a week. Well, recently, Bismack Biombo was just picked up by the Phoenix Suns at now at age 29. He's kind of a journeyman in the NBA. He's been picked up by the Suns to, to back up DeAndre Ayton, spell him with a few minutes, and he's been signed for the rest of the year for $1.52 million. Wow. Bismack Biombo is giving every cent of that $1.52 million to build a hospital in Congo because this past year his father died in Congo he saw the quality of the hospital that his dad died at and said we've got to do better with healthcare and so he's taking every last cent of his nba contract and he's using it to send it back to congo to build a hospital if that isn't sam obasanya i don't know what is it's an amazing story it's starting to get some play even on cnn and it's going to be a tough for me to beat that one for this year already in, in the Ted Lasso contest. Uh, Bismack Biombo is a great Ted Lasso story. Good story. Yeah. Great one. That's a great one. And, uh, and, and if you want to learn a little bit more about Ted Lasso, check out tonight's 60 minutes, a really good piece on, on Ted Lasso too. And on 60 minutes. So uh, that's a great story tonight house. Good one. All right. Anybody got anything else? Real quick, you know, we've been talking a lot yeah. about NCAA hoops. How, how about the NBA? Uh, Dinwiddie, uh, Porzingis looks like a pretty good deal for Dallas now. I don't know if y'all saw them beat the Celtics this afternoon, the hottest team in the NBA at wow. Boston on national TV. Wow. Dinwiddie hit a three-pointer with four seconds left. So. From about 10 feet behind New York. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, NBA so that, is heating up. Does one three-pointer make it a good trade? <laughs> he is, he's been on fire. He's a he good is, player. He has made a big difference. D- Dallas is the hottest team other than yeah, uh, the player. Celtics in the NBA right now. I, I have a, I have a quick follow up to our TikTok story about Delonte West. 
Mm. Um, he he did so well in the DC tryout for the big three, three on three league owned by Ice Cube that they've invited him to the combine in, I think it's in San Francisco in May. Looks like he's going to catch on with the team and has really turned his life completely around from two years ago when he was caught on video panhandling homeless in Texas and then getting the crap kicked out of him living on the streets in D.C. Um, He had a drug problem. He had bipolar disorder. And um, Mark Cuban saw this on television, contacted Delonte's family, got him back in touch with his family, and then personally got him into a rehab facility. And, you know, Delonte West is, is in great shape now and hopefully turning his life around. So that's a nice story, too. It's an awesome cubes, story. Cubes for a little lasso. Yep. Hey, listen, um, before the ball is tipped for next Sunday's games to figure out who's going to make the Sweet 16, I think we're all going to have the telly on to watch a little auto racing in Bahrain. And so the, F- the F1 season is underway next weekend. Lights out, lots of new rules, lots, a few new drivers. So tune in. To next week, episode 57, we're going to tell you all you need to know about the F1 season and recap the first race of the year. But turn it on next Sunday morning. And let's not forget about Brittany Griner. Hope she gets back safely from Russia. Good show, guys. Good show tonight. Have a great week. Welcome back, Tommy. Have fun with you guys. Tommy. Tommy sucks, you know. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison-Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.